So last week, Daniel Jeremiah, who does a podcast with Bucky Brooks. Bucky's come on the show. Bucky's been phenomenal. If you guys don't listen to the Move the Sticks podcast, I would highly recommend it for your football needs. They do a great job covering the NFL. They started their championship foundation off-season movement, and they just did the AFC East. They have not done the Browns yet. And, Steve, you take tagboard full just to show everybody what we're going to base our next exercise off. So they ranked individual players. This is for the Dolphins on a four-part scale to determine if they have a championship foundation or not. They use colors. Blue is for a blue-chip player. Green is for good. Yellow is age, injury, or contract concerns. And pink is unproven. Red, which is not on the key, is we, have, we don't have an answer. So we're going to do this for the Browns, except instead of doing it for specific positions, we're going to do position groups just to make it a little easier so we're not going to go through 56 players. But do you guys understand the parameters of how we're grading, or I guess categorizing, the Browns and their championship foundation? Jay, G, Earl, we all on the same page with how we're going to do this? I think so, yeah. I mean, I, that's not the way the, I would have done it. The but. names are kind of like, okay, all right. I, if, if, I get the gist of what they're saying. We're going to figure this out. So we'll do it together. So we'll start with the quarterbacks for the Browns. Would you I categor- just don't understand why they didn't do it like on a point system. Rate them all one to five. Rate the GM, the coach, the quarterback, and then other players. You know, your best wide receiver, your best running back. And you get one point if, if, you're, if you're not very good, five points if you're the best. And then get a point system, and the top points are well. Let's do it this way today, and okay. later in the week we'll do a point system. And then we should do actually compare these to other AFC North teams, just to see where right. the four teams. And in the I AFC like Jeremiah North too. Up. I think he's great. Yeah. But so today we're going to follow their lead, so and maybe going, next so later in the week colors. we'll do points. So blue is blue chip, top okay. of the line. Okay. Green is a good player. Yellow, age, injury, or contract concerns. So question marks. And then pink is unproven. So pink's the worst, blue's the best. Essentially one to four. G, if you want to do one to four, we'll, we'll color code so it for you. We'll color it. code it for you. Yeah. But let's start with the quarterbacks for the Browns. It's Deshaun Watson, it's DTR, and it's insert third quarterback if they decide to sign one. On this championship foundation scale, would you grade the Browns quarterback room as a blue chip room, a good quarterback room, an age injury contract concern room, as unproven and young man that's yellow this, this is like this like uno this is a yellow reverse draw two. uh dtr is young and he got hurt so i don't know and he didn't he played well in a couple of games i guess or medium and then he played really bad against you know some really good teams like the ravens deshaun watson isn't really unproven he's he's had some good in his past but he is a question mark. but he is a question mark because of all three things you said is is not the age but is is his injury um it's the contract uh and is his availability so i would give it a yellow i mean for me i would give it a yellow as well i think that dtr is unproven had had the injuries i think with deshaun watson it's, it's the injuries and you know uh a uh, question of whether he can overcome the mental hurdles to match what he still can do physically. So I would definitely give it a yellow as well. Yeah, I, I would go yellow too. The thing that I would say on, on this, when you're talking, I think this is obviously the most important chip on the board in building a championship. And to me, I, I would put, I would ask this question, proven or question mark? 
because I think that's what you can basically boil all 32 NFL quarterbacks into that category. Now there's levels to them, but you you've either proven that you can take a team to the playoffs, take multiple teams to the playoffs, or you're a question mark. And at this point, unfortunately, because he's so far removed from taking a team to the playoffs, uh, I got to say that it, He's a question mark. So yellow is, I think, the only appropriate way to go here. Can, can we do a poll with these mm-hmm. side by side with the with the chat? Uh, we could try I, to I get them. And Antoine and Tagboard do this, so we're, we're shorthand. We're trying to figure out. There, but. I, I'm trying to figure out what, 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 the, what the fans have. Well, the there. chat can't have them as a blue chip. The quarterback says blue chip. Do you want me to ask about the Sean specifically, G? Yeah, well, yeah. You get yeah. It goes blue, green, yellow. And then pink. You did, did pink and then I think, red. I think yellow is fair. Yeah, I think, I think, I think it's probably fair. like two or three blue chips on the entire roster. Yeah. <laughs> so I agree with that. I would give Amari Cooper blue chip. I would give Garrett uh, Miles Garrett a blue Nick chip. Chubb. Nick Chubb a blue chip. Probably Denzel Ward. Uh, JOK is for me, man. JOK is the guy all of a sudden. He came up. I think I could put him as a blue chip, but other we, than we that. We put it as a poll, G, so we'll give see, it a few okay. seconds and then we'll. Uh, okay. I would be shocked if the poll doesn't say that he's a blue chip. Yeah. Because I'm, that's how the poll, that's how the chat rolls. We're going to see. I think the chat will have him as a yellow. I don't think they're crazy today. I think if they're fair, they'll have him as a yellow. So we have as a yellow. That's his clean sleep across the board. Let's go to the running back room for the Browns. Not just Nick Chubb, the running back room. You have Chubb right now. You have Jerome Ford, Pierre Strong. Kareem Hunt is no longer part of this running back room. He's a free agent. So for the sake of this, Chubb, Ford, Pierre Strong. Is that a blue chip running back room? A good running back room? An unproven slash injury concern slash age room? Or is that too young to be able to be graded? I think it's easy. That's a blue chip room because you have Nick Chubb. But what like, about the injury? I'm coming. I, the the I injury like doesn't. I like that. The, the like injury, the no. injury to me yeah, doesn't really either. bother me because it's 2024 and I understand medicine and surgeries is much more advanced than it was 20 years ago. Right. And I kind of view Nick Chubb in the same light that I used to Adrian Peterson. Sure. You know what I mean? From a skill, from, right. From a skill standpoint, from a training standpoint, and we see AP kind of bounced back from a serious injury on the, on the back half of his career and still came back and ran hard as hell and was successful. So for me, it's a blue chip room simply because you have Nick Chubb. No, no shade or no offense to Pierre Strong or Jerome Ford. I don't give a damn about that. Nick Chubb don't need a running backs coach. Nick Chubb don't whatever. Like, he's Nick Chubb. That's yeah, enough boy, of the room to be blue chip. Just Earl, I love your, your faithfulness. I do. Um... For me, with his position, his age, and his injury, I think he falls more into the yellow. Now, maybe I could make an argument for bringing him up into that middle category, Mm -hmm. but it would be easier for me to do that if I had seen something this year from Strong or Ford that made me say, there's something here. But to me, they just seem like run-of-the-mill guys, and I just... Don't know what Nick Chubb's going to do. So the yellow category, according to the Move the Sticks chart, age concerns. Jay, are you concerned about his age? Well, yeah. He's aged out as a running back in terms of the average running back. Now, he's not average. So I, I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he's done. But age is a concern. He's not 23 anymore. <clears throat> so injury is 
we don't need to speak to that. We know he's injured. He had the worst injury that you can have. And contract's the third one. And contract is the third one. So for me, he fits most of those check marks. And like you said, you don't really care about Strong and Ford. They didn't move my needle enough to upgrade the room. And because of that, I'd put them as a yellow. So, so we have a yellow and a blue. G, where do you fall on this? Man, one? as much, much as this hurts me, um, it gotta, kills me to say that. I gotta go yellow, and it's it's a it's a big it's a it ain't no like regular yellow. This is like a deep yellow. This <laughs> oh is, no! This is like dehydrated yellow. <laughs> like, See, I'm closer to <clears> the, <throat> to the middle one. Zay Canary yellow. I'm, I, <laughs> yeah, I am, I'm Canary yellow. I am, I am just because I love Nick Chubb so much. I'm, man. That, I'm, I'm that yellow. We'd be like, man, you need to drink more water. Your urine is not you're supposed jaunted. to smell. Yeah, your urine is not supposed to smell like that, son. <laughs> That is acidity in that. What's going on? Let me just read you this, man. Uh, uh, Nick Chubb had a diagnosis of a dislocated knee, three torn ligaments, uh, posterior cruciate ligament, which is the PCL, medial collateral uh, ligament, MCL, and a cartilage damage. Now, let me give you this. That wasn't what I would just say. That report ain't from the Cleveland Browns. That report is in 2015 from the Georgia Bulldogs. So when you talk about man levels, he done already had major, 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 major surgery. Then you come back and then he's 27. Now he tears his ACL. He tears his LCL. Now think about it. I didn't have two ACL surgeries. Jaden had three ACL surgeries. It's just different. The medicine is great and lovely, but like they always tell you, it don't, it don't never really, it don't never really come back the way it came. But like it's just, it's just different. For me, I don't know about you. For me, the biggest difference was between the first and the second. Yep. There, even though I retore it 15 months after I tore it originally. My knee felt great. Oh, I was good. And I was past the psychological mm -hmm. part of it. I Maybe that's why I tore it again. And maybe I was doing too much too soon. But for me, when I came back from my second one, I don't feel like the same leg. I feel like I have someone else's leg. Oh, that's a, like, so for me, I tore my right one. Then I tore my left one. I was completely ready to go with this one. I just made a cut and this one blew out. So when you're correct, this knee, I shout out to Dr. Ray Tester, but this knee, like I said, this is somebody else's like it feels it, different. It, it's a weather machine. It'll swell up when it wants to. I can't work out for more than four days in a row. I always have to get it drained. Can't it, run on concrete. Can, you know, surfaces hurt, different shoes hurt. And it's, it's, it's basically now you're dealing with the arthritis stuff. So what I'm saying to people is he already had a surgery catastrophic surgery then let's not be let's be clear 2020 he missed six games with a knee surgery yeah when he was at his peak so he's had three knee surgeries I can't really say that he's gonna be just be peachy King the only reason I gave it a yellow was because he's that good because I don't even think Jerome Ford I think he's a serviceable guy, but I'm not putting no eggs in no basket of Jerome Ford. Well, maybe I'm too optimistic or I'm just looking at this glass half full, but before the injury and even still now, I hear what you're saying about 2015, but Nick Chubb has still recovered. He recovered and has had a he great did. career up and until this point. 
so, it's fair to compare right, it to so, Adrian so, Peterson. And that's what the point I was getting to. Even before this injury, you know, we've been talking a lot about contracts, his age, the position he played. And I've always asked myself, do I view Nick Chubb as in that rare air with Adrian Peterson? And if I do, then for me, he's going to always be the exception to the rule. Right. And it's just me. To me, he's the exception to the rule. Sure. I, I love the way he plays the game of football, how he carries himself, how he trains, etc. I don't know Nick Chubb's body, right? And we all react to surgeries. We, I've never torn anything, but we react to surgeries. We react to being sick. We react to medicine all differently. Sure. There's, there's no one way that you know we recover from no, things. No, but there, there is a, there so, is a standard. Right. So I'm just saying. But you're right. In he, this same light, just like Adrian exception. Peterson, he could be the exception, just like Adrian Peterson was. Yeah, I, and I hope to God you're right. I, I just think Nick Chubb is that dude on so many levels. And I, I have faith, even if he doesn't, even if he's not ready for the first or the second game of the season, whenever Nick Chubb does take that field, I think he's going to be 100% ready. And I think that he's still going to have a, a significant impact. Yeah, I, I hope you're right. Uh, I want more than anything for him to return to form and be that guy again. I just, I know that the odds after one go down considerably. The odds after two go down even more than they did after the first one. So, uh, but if there's a human in the league that can do it, it's Nick Chubb. Yeah, and, and like Jay, so. I feel what you're saying, and I know we're going to get into this later, but like when I did the Ultimate 216 show this past week, past week I talked about your journey being your journey. Like we know what the standard is. We know what, st- we know what traditionally happens, this, that, and the third. But if somebody told me there's a 98% chance, Earl, that you can't do this, better, I'm going to bet on that 2% chance yeah. I can get it done no matter how hard that task might be. Yeah. So. We, we asked the chat him. about Deshaun Watson. 56% agreed with him being in the yellow category oh, right interesting. now. So I'm going to put up the chub one. We'll get you the chub results in a sec. A symbiotic relationship, me and the chat. Well done, chat. I mean, look, no one's taking any pleasure in, in handing out yellows. It I, sucks. Just but being realistic. The idea of like this exercise is I, tr- I actually like the way they, like they posed it. Okay. Now that I look at it because... They give you a lot of reasons you could be a yellow. Not yeah, but what, what I don't like about it, if you use a number system, you can add them all up, divide by three or four concrete. or however many categories. It's and easier get an to average. compare you want, you team want to team with the numbers. Yeah. Number. I want, the, I want the, the, my yeah, analytic yeah, mind. I, just want, I, you, I want I, a number. You are a 7.2, ma'am. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> don't Speaking don't of numbers, give me green. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Speaking of numbers, Jay, let's go to the wide receiver room who, outside of Amari Cooper, <laughs> left a lot to be desired. Tight ends are its own category. So David Njoku is okay. not. This is not pass catchers. All right. Just receivers. Is this so the blue, blue chip room? A green room, which is good. An age, injury, or contract concern room yellow or pink, unproven, slash young. Man, this, see, this is such a mixture. This, this is a tight end. This, this is where the this is where the numbers come. I, I like the numbers more. This one's a tough yeah, one because you this got a Mari really Cooper tough. who is clearly a blue, and then you got everybody else who is clearly a pink. Yeah. So I don't know what blue and pink make. I I, I think blue and pink means that's an A mixed with a D. Okay. Minus. So therefore, you get around somewhere average, so, maybe. So maybe not green, but are you yellow? Oh yeah, are oh, you definitely yellow? It's like it's, but with Amari Ku, I see it. That I, I'm able to go. We'll adjust this. We could go greenish yellow. If the, you think it's on the low end of green, high well, end well, of let's, yellow, let's, we could let, go let greenish yellow. Let Earl speak yellow. once, because maybe Earl thinks they're blue. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm bananas. 
ripe banana. Right, like unripened yeah, bananas. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. You kind of like a too early to eat banana. Yeah, yeah oh, there you go. <laughs> Boy, it's kind of crunchy Jeez. a little bit. Right, oh. Christmas. I, I think hate those. It's not an option, but blue and pink makes purple. So they're ah, purple. Okay. It, because Omari right. Cooper is a blue chip. Everybody else is unproven. There's right. there's nobody else in that wide receiver room that I can take to Chase but Bank for the and sake cash of this, that in as yes, a check. But for the sake of this exercise, we've got to pick a you color gotta, for the whole room. Yeah. Purple. And the rest of the room is bringing him oh, down. Oh, hold on, hard. hold on. I thought David and Joku was in this group. No, no. no. Tight, tight, ends, tight ends, its own cat. We're doing tight ends next. This is just so the I can give tight ends a blue. Now oh, we on UCSS. We making our own color. They purple. I will if the jury agrees. I'm, I'm fine with but purple. I, then how do we? Use their standards. Oh, you're, 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 Jay's right because we're going to compare this to so, when they so, put it out. So, right. So, so we so have what, to we have to stick what, to this for what's the What's under yellow? Green. No, oh, under no, yellow pink. is pink, unproven, and young. And see, more of the receiver room is unproven and I'm, young. I, the majority of them, I got to go. I got to go with that. You got to go pink. They got pink. I'm sorry, Amari. Then I got to go pink too. Yeah, because the wide too. receiver room is six or seven deep, and he's the only one. The only yeah, one. you're right. The, you're I mean, right. You're right. You're right. I, I mean, would, you got a blue chip, and then you got a whole bunch of I don't knows. And and just so everyone listening, if you're you're just tuning in, or you you clip this later, we're gonna compare this back to when they released the Browns. So that's why. What that's are they doing this sticking. week? They did all four AFC East yeah. teams on Thursday. Okay. It's a once a week pod, so it could be. I'm not sure what division's next. But I'm sure well, they'll do division they by division. If they go east to west, then we're next. We should maybe I mean, they go NFC go south. East. You could yeah, go south. Who knows? Next. But when they do release it, we're going to come back and compare, which is okay. why I want to stick to this. Here, here's the best way to put it, because we just had the same conversation amongst the running back group, right? Jerome Ford might not be all that, but I know Jerome Ford is a home run hitter and he scored touchdowns. I think Jerome Ford is he? He's a home run hitter and he scores touchdowns. He's a lot of his plays were big plays, right? So what I'm saying, I don't know. Were they what, what, I, what I'm saying is, he made some. What, what I, right, I can't, some. I wouldn't put I mean, him as a. To me, he was. Just this is the point I'm grinder. trying to make. This is the point I'm making. Right. When it comes to the second best in each position group, okay. yeah. I trust Jerome okay. Ford I, more than I trust yeah. the second best wide receiver on the Cleveland. Yeah. Well, and that's the way we have yeah. them rated. We have yeah. yellow better, for the running backs yeah. and right. pink for the receivers. Right. He's better than he's better at his position than Elijah Moore or You know what Bell. it almost looks like? It almost looks like cuz Jason always says GMs earn their money on the fringes, not on the stars. It looks like the model that the guard, the, the the GM for the Browns has used and I don't know if you can kind of look at this and see it. You've got a really, really good player at every position. But not a lot of depth. Yeah. So you've got Miles Garrett and then a whole lot of guys. Yep. You've got Amari Cooper, then a whole lot of guys. So. You've got Nick Chubb, then a whole lot of guys. Where the San Francisco 49ers have taken it a different way. And instead of doing it Andrew Barry's way, they're, they've got stars at every position and then a lot of depth as well see see that that's what hurts the browns and when you want to talk about whether the browns is doing something that you like when i look at the san francisco 49ers they have moves where it's splashed they were already in the super bowl they said let me go get christian mccaffrey they were already had joey bosa and and, let's get chase young give me chase young they already they got they had debo give me iu they still got kittle like they have, they went out and got Trent Williams. Like they have gone and 
overdone it. Like they getting guys like and still getting them to the place Operation where they are. Stockpile. Stockpile. When we we can't even develop one guy. Like think about it. Like the Browns have a generational problem with having receivers. If you go in any generation, right, and you say seventies. Who the Browns have in the No, 70s? you're right about that. We've looked into it. There, 80s, there probably 90s. is no franchise in the NFL that has had less success at wide receiver than the Browns. I do not know who I was having this conversation with, but I think it's fair to say that Amari Cooper has been the most productive wide receiver since 99. That's not the point I'm making. That's a dumb moment. Everybody know that. But from an athletic standpoint, from being a flat-out dog, We've been searching for somebody like like Josh Gordon Facts. since Josh Gordon. Facts. And I can't remember a time, like even if I do my history back in time, I don't know if the Browns ever had a wide receiver like Josh Gordon. And no, we ain't had didn't. one since that. No. We got lucky coming up on Amari Cooper. And so this is a position that I definitely think needs to be addressed. And you got to keep swinging at it, man, until you can finally hit that thing out the park. Right? I agree with that, but you definitely have to change your approach. Yeah, you do. Because uh, draft the wide receivers in the whatever third round you're is not doing, it. Six yeah. rounds is not it. <laughs> no, however you're valuing yeah. wide receivers, you need to rip up that book and go back to the drawing board because the qualities that you have valued in wide receivers have given us Bell and Schwartz, God. and the list goes on and on and on. You, however you're doing it, you need to change it because it's not working. Now, I'm not saying that this person is going to be a major contributor. I'm just saying that this person I'm about to mention, I'm intrigued by Michael Woods. Hmm. I am very intrigued by Michael Woods. Two years ago when he did play, I, just, I, I ain't going to say he showed a lot of something. It's just something about this dude that I'm intrigued, and I'm, I'm interested to see how he's going to bounce back from that injury All right. and, and if he can make this team in this upcoming training camp. All right. Maybe about 17 receivers, McNugget, 17. Go we'll ahead. Take, we'll take 16 and then Stop we can complain it's not enough. Uh, we'll make this one quick because I think we'll be in agreement. Tight end. Is that a blue chip position for group for the Browns? Because I, uh, I think we have nice depth there too. I like – I'll go blue chip. Actually, if you if you like, I think like David Njoku is really just me. me. See, he's just now learning for me, learning how to get open. Like he just really and, and he don't even really run crazy vertical routes. And one of the things that I think he realized is, hey, I'm bigger than these dudes. I shouldn't be going down that easy. Look you think he had an epiphany? Yeah, like he's like, hold on. Like, like sometimes you ever see watching the NFL and, and receivers just look like they just naturally uh, 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 they anticipate the contact and just fall down. Like he's like, hold on, let me just stiff arm a couple of these DBs. Hey, I'm bigger than these dudes. I think he really. It, the light has gone off. I like Harrison Bryant. Um, I like what they do with Harrison Bryant. I mean, he does a lot of different other things. I even like their third tight end. Um, who was his name? The kid. I like. Was it Aikens? Aikens? Yeah, Aikens. I like. I like Jordan Aikens. He was somebody that when they added him to this team last offseason, um, I thought that was a good move because he had some familiarity with Deshaun Watson. Right. Um, Harrison Bryant, still a young player, serviceable, serviceable, solid, good dude. David Njoku has propelled himself into, in my opinion, a top five tight end. What in I the need NFL. to see, though, from Njoku is that he can do it with someone else other than Joe Flacco. So, for that. Because Joe's gone. I would give them the blue chip because yeah. I would look at yeah. it and saying you got yeah. two that's good and you got one yeah, that's Yeah, I think that's blue chip five. is fair. Do you, do All you, in agreement. Do you still, I, I still, there, there's one thing I can nitpick with. Um, I, I feel like, like Njoku should be more of a target in the red zone. I still uh, don't see it. I like, don't understand that either. 
it, he's just not an option down there. And, and which I don't is, get it. crazy I, to me a little bit. He's big. He's athletic. He can high point. He should have 10 touchdowns minimum every well, year. Well, since we nitpicking, I know this. <laughs> I know this. No, because no, like seriously, <laughs> because like I know this is not a video game. I know this is not right. Madden. And so when you get down to the red zone and on the goal line, you got to be creative. But like in its most simple form, one plus one will always equal two. Just turn around and get a damn ball and Nick Chubb. Yeah. Yeah. If he's available, that's a, that's that's a very be, good option. That should be, be like one A, one B, and yeah, one C. Yeah, if he's there, hey, I'm all for it. The Browns' offensive line at one point was certainly a blue chip group. Guys have gotten older. There are some injury concerns heading into 2024. How do you evaluate the Browns' current crop of offensive linemen on the scale? Blue is blue chip. Green is good. Yellow is age, injury, or contract concerns. And they're certainly not pink, which is unproven and young. No. So really, of those three, I mean, how would Jack you categorize Conklin, the offensive that, line? That, that contract is uh, – th- that's a tough pill to swallow. I still don't um, We've <laughs> got uh, – the, the best pieces of our offensive line are old. And they're guards. Now, I know Dewan Jones looks like he's coming to be a superstar in this league. But right now, he's still young. And he has a lot of – here's the thing I worry about. I understand when you are that massive and you have any any sort of injuries to your lower body, that's tough. Especially it, at that position. Especially at that position because it's going to take you bending. It's going to take a lot of wear and tear. You're bending and, and, and getting in a, in a pass that you need your legs and your feet. Um, I would give them, man, I would give them like an unripened banana. Um I'm, I'm, I'm so gotta, not quite yellow, but maybe green. Yeah, like a what yellowish green. I got them at yellow, um, and the reason I don't have them at blue chip is because the injuries are starting to pile up, and age is a real thing. But I, I have them at yellow. Joe Batonio, solid, solidified. I know what I get out of Wyatt Teller. Jack Conklin, he got some injury concerns, but when he is healthy, he is always somewhere in the top twelve according to PFF as far as you know his offensive grade. Then you got the young dudes like Dewan Jones, of course. Under you want to go green? I, 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 you, you sound like you're going green. What, what's what's green? Good. Green, yep. is, green good. is good. Okay, green so that's what good. I meant. Let's go green. My apologies. Let's go green. That's what I meant. Green. But but see, that's what the I thing meant. Is, green. In the I description of yellow is old and contract and <laughs> yeah. And that's injuries. Injuries. that's my bad. And I, I, I mean, had the colors yeah, wrong. Old. Yeah. It's green. Injury. Yeah. Contract. Well, concerns. let me ask, let me ask you guys this to make it easier. Are you more confident this line is good? then your concerns are about their age and durability. Well, the other thing, too, is perhaps the strongest piece of all of it is gone. And that's the coach. And that is another that's factor. A, he pulled consider. rabbits out of hats last year yeah, with guys that yeah. I'm pretty sure were loading FedEx trucks before so, they came here. So Jared Wills was not playing well. I mean, we <laughs> Jared Wills, he had brought his play up, but his play had a long way to go. Um, so you have Jack Conklin being hurt the last three years. Those are your two tackles. But then you got Dewan Jones, who probably is the, the future. And so you got to find three of those guys to play two positions. And Posick has been good. Let's go green. Yeah, I feel green. like it is green because it, because it, continually the center, the center and two guards are solid. And and yeah, so let's go that. And not only that, man. Even the guys that's that's rotational pieces, right? Even those dudes can play multiple positions, right? And, and we've seen them have success do so under Kevin Stefanski's like tenureship as the Browns head coach. Right. Nick, so Nick, I think green is solid. Nick Harris. Listen, the fullback room, is, 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 we, we gave the fullback room a, a, a blue ship. 
You got to better go back to them and ask for some money. They got Nick Harris now is playing filling that void. Are there any other categories? I mean, There's a whole defense. defense, but we're going to say that for tomorrow. Actually, that there's name? a couple of things I want to get to. Brian today. Vickers. Lawrence. Vickers. Yeah, Lawrence Vickers. Vickers. Yeah, you know, Lawrence Vickers was in in that backfield. He was out he, him and Peyton Hillis. Go back and watch Peyton Hillis uh, that year. He had he was a terror when he got on the cover of Madden. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Peyton met Peyton he Hillis. Was he, he was a monster. Yeah. I I was like, dang, bro. I, you sometimes I just go back and look at some dudes, right? And you'd be like, Man, you forgot how good they were. Forgot, I forgot you was a ball player. That so was fun. Defense tomorrow. We're gonna do defense. We're gonna do it all today. But that discussion was really enlightening. I thought, I thought we nailed it, guys. And the chat, by the way, Earl was with you. Forty-seven percent blue chip on Nick Chubb. So they were with us as a panel on Watson. They were with Earl on the blue chip for uh, for Nick Chubb. Excuse me. And we'll do defense tomorrow in these same categories. The Move the Sticks podcast with Daniel Jeremiah. Bucky Brooks doesn't come out till Thursday. So we have a few days to go, even if they do release the AFC North rankings this week. Tonight, though, 5 o'clock, you want more Browns content? G. Bush got you covered on the Ultimate Browns show. He had Jerry Ball with him on Friday. I'm not sure what he's got planned today. But as always, G. Bush talking Browns at 5 o'clock. The Ultimate Browns show on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show Fastest YouTube channel. 30 minutes in, in all of sports talk radio or, or TV, internet, whatever. Listen, it'd be going fast. People be be uh, jumping in. Uh, today we uh, we push some of our call-ins. Um, so if you want to get uh, call, you know call in to our hotline, I'll put the hotline number out after the show. But we got some hotline questions that we'll get to about the draft, um, and then we got some other questions about some of the off-season targets. So we'll talk about that coming up today. Awesome, Jay. You're going to Arizona this week for spring training. Jason Lloyd's out there already. He'll be joining us. On the show tomorrow or Wednesday, we're not sure. But Chris Antonetti, the Guardians GM, said over the weekend that part of the reason they decided not to spend money has nothing to do with the team's 2024 <laughs> TV deal, which is $55 million. Just for comparison's sake, the Dodgers are getting $240 million. But it's because they want to find out which of their young players can succeed in the big leagues. I see Earl smirking. G's giggling like a child over there. G, I mean, uh, Jay. Are you buying what Chris Antonetti is selling here? No, but he's a good company guy. He is. I like Chris. Yeah, yeah, I like Chris yeah. a lot. I feel sorry for him. I do too. I feel like Chris is an upper echelon executive in Major League Baseball. He's, and a lot of people want to point out that he's, you know, let some players perhaps go uh, a little early. And these, particularly some outfielders here in the last couple of years, and they've gone on to have some success in other teams' organizations. I get that. You're not going to hit 100%. All you need to do in judging Chris Antonetti is go to the most difficult position in baseball to develop, and that's pitcher. And look at his track record. And there isn't another executive in baseball that wouldn't trade his success record and track record and resume at developing pitchers with Chris. Chris, they've just done a tremendous job. The reason I feel sorry for Chris is because he has to sell the owner's message because the owner doesn't sell it. Mm -hmm. The owner doesn't meet with reporters. He don't even come outside. <laughs> is he, he inside all the vampire. time? <laughs> I ain't never seen that man. If you if you put him on the screen and didn't have a caption, I wouldn't know who he was. You wouldn't know. You no, would recognize. Swear him. to goodness, I wouldn't know who he is. We should play a game and get three random photos stuff and, and notes. call it. No, who's the owner? Chris, you know what's hysterical? Chris, I would be able to pick. I've interviewed him, but the Guardians tweeted out. Uh, three pictures saying expecting big things from these guys. 
and I almost made it a game show today of who are these three. Yeah. Because I only knew two of them. There was a guy I, I had no idea who he was. Yeah. You know, maybe we'll throw him up here real quick. By the end of this segment, we'll throw him up. Here's the problem, okay? The problem is (laughs) the owner is the kind of owner that is picking his spots. So if you're the Dodgers and your TV contract is worth $240 million, Mm -hmm. Or you're the Guardians and you're going to get $55 million out of your TV deal this year, which is $1 for every five the Dodgers get. How are you supposed to compete with that? There is a major playing field problem in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Always has been, always will be. Why? Because when the Dodgers and the Yankees make the playoffs, the ratings are higher than when the Brewers and the Tigers make the playoffs. It is good business <clears throat> for the big market teams to be successful. It is bad business for the small market teams to be successful. And as long as that's the case, and that is the case, then Major League Baseball has no incentive to make an even playing field. That's one reason I think the NFL is the most popular league. In Everybody asks me, is it the violence? Is it No, I it's think what it is, is it's the parody. Even though we haven't had a chance to experience that parody, the league is set up to about every five to seven years, the talent cycle completely washes through the league is set up for you to be good Mm -hmm. and when you're good it's set up for you to be not as good and when you're not very good it is set up for you to be better and major league baseball as long as you have the haves and the have-nots and there are clear delineations between the haves and the Mm have-nots you're going to get trash so if you're the owner of the guardians you can't compete spending wise with the dodgers so what you do is you have to pick your spots when in the 10-year cycle can I go for it? And we've seen them go for it, you know, with different free agent signings that were helpful and needed. Last year, because of the success they had in 22, mm-hmm. which was early, it was ahead of schedule, the owner went out and he signed Zanino and Bell. So those were moves that he thought could get this team over the top. Both of them fell flat on their face. Zanino, I think, is out of baseball. Mm-hmm. Bell was traded to the Marlins and suddenly became Bell again. So the two moves last year were awful. So now the owner's like, I went for it last year and it didn't work. I've got to sit back and see what I have before I decide whether or not I'm going to go all in on spending. I get it, but I hate it. So for me, Jay, this is me just having a conversation with my homie as a, as a casual baseball fan. I really don't give a damn about them being able to develop pitching, right? You've been developing pitching since I was 13 years old. At this point, tell me something I don't know. To me, I think the Cleveland Guardians continue to be hustling backwards, right? You're always trying to nickel and dime this fan base with these, with these rising stars or, or this farm system when it comes to the offensive side of it instead of actually taking some real money and going out there and get you a real piece not even realizing the money going to come back to you. If you go get a solidi- uh, like a solidified star and you actually spend the money, I can care less about the cap or the market that you pay in, go spend the money. Because if he's that dude, you're going to make that money back in merchandise sales. And I don't know if the chat is going to feel this or not or if people is going to watch and feel this or not. I'm sure you will. But this is Cleveland. We love our professional sports teams. All we want is a quality product on the field. And I swear to God, we're going to show up and we're going to show out every single time. And when I look at the Dolans as an owner, and you look across the landscape of Cleveland, at least Jimmy Haslam tries. Like, go holler at Dan Gilbert. At least he came through with a championship, 
and yet you continue to sell us on this BS about you want to watch Gabriel Arias develop and see if he got it, right? You finesse J-Ram and taking this contract with the mindset that you was going to build a team around him, and you haven't done so. Like, me and Mike was upstairs talking. We play in the mid-market, and I'm not the most educated when it comes to how the salary cap and how the finances work in baseball. But I do know teams that's mid-market teams like Milwaukee spent more team than us. Baltimore spent more Cincinnati. money. Smaller Kansas market City, than us. Cincinnati, Minnesota. So, like, don't give me this BS about you want to just sit up there and wait for this young talent to develop to where you really, really pissing off your fan base. You put a quality product out there, we will come and support it. The math is not hard. Well, here's the problem with that premise. Um, there were a number of years where the Indians at the time were very, very good in the standings mm-hmm. and were near the bottom in attendance. And that stings being from the Cleveland area and being a baseball fan. This once upon a time was, I'm not going to call it a baseball town like St. Louis, but in the mid nineties, the, what is the retired number of 454 or 455? That's the number of consecutive sellouts. This, this franchise had guys think about that. And when they were selling it out at that size, it was, it was full size. It wasn't the downgraded smaller stadium that it's become. Mm-hmm. It was 41,000 fans for 455 straight games. Guys, 81 home games a year. That's six straight years. That's my childhood. The Browns ev- wasn't here. The right. cast was garbage. Now, and so for me, not to cut you off, this is why it pisses me off so much because I know for a fact that things can be much better than what they are. And you, like I know for a fact this city will show up and show out. But yet you keep throwing at us in his face these BS excuses about why you don't want to go spend money and you're going to expect us to spend our hard money no, that's fair. to come down there and support this team? Man, kiss my ass with that. Yeah, no, I, that's fair. And I, I have, unfortunately, I have heard the fan base is more in line with that this year than any time that I've heard them before. And here's why. They said when they made some moves a couple of years ago, when Frankie was gone, well, we're going to reinvest in this team. We're going to take that money. We're going to, they haven't. We're continually at the bottom of the payroll in the last tier and in tiers, there's six tiers. There's the top five. Then there's number six through 10. We're always in the last tier. You're telling the fans not to care. And the fans are starting to listen. And that breaks my heart. Because I'm a baseball guy. I want to see baseball succeed in Cleveland. I know it can because I watched it in the mid to late 80s when we sold out 455 straight games. You don't do that on accident. Now, because they had some years in 16 when they almost won the World Series, we were bottom half of of the league in attendance. So what that told the owner is, what are you talking about? You told me if I spend, you will come. You didn't. And you told me if we won, you would show up. And you didn't. So I don't know if it was, it's, I call it winner's fatigue. The Atlanta Braves went through this in the 80s and the 90s when they were every single year, they were winning their division. And then they, they've got one World Series out of all of those great teams. And that World Series happened to come at our expense. They beat us. But I was covering Braves playoff games against the Indians in the World Series that were not sellouts. I don't, and, and the fans there got fatigue. Oh, you guys keep winning and teasing us, but you never gave us the chip. And 
I think the Guardians are in that I, I wanna, space I, right I, now. I want to ask. I want to. Like, this is like a real world people question. Um, I'm going to ask this um, because I, and a lot of times people think we be just be joking, right? Because you know, um, you know, we're we, you know we're at different points of our careers, right? So you know, finances as a man gets older, you 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 hit certain brackets and you hit certain figures and. As you work longer, you, you, you make more money as you get older. That's just a principle in, in capitalism. So one of the things that, you know, we laugh sometimes about, yeah, Jay got a boat and all these other different things, right? The, the, one of the real questions of it is because, because you do live in, in a certain circle and you do know people like this, I got a real question. My, you know, he's, you know, I, I believe I do my math work correctly, 66 years old, right? Um, if, if you if you own a business and you own, you know, what I'm saying if you own a lot of different other things, you say it all the time, man. I'm I'm hitting the finish line. My question is for 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 those business owners, what is the mentality of? I'm gonna be frugal. Like, I mean, how many trips can you go on? How many cars can you drive? How many bags? Right. At the end of the day, when you're laying on your your deathbed you remember memories, you remember experiences. experiences. So if you're 66 years old and you're a multimillionaire, you're, gonna, you're not going to die poor. I, I, I believe that you have financial guys that have, have kept your nest egg correct. You wouldn't be in a, a businessman if you were. My thing is, what good does it do you at it's 66? A, it's a good and fair question. I'll use your line that you use all the time. There's levels to this, yeah. okay? I believe, and this is just as an observer, I don't have any inside information to his finances. I can only make assessments based on his actions. Mm -hmm. People misunderstand wealth sometimes, okay? Jeff Bezos is rich. Yeah. Elon Musk is rich. Mm -hmm. These are dudes that have endless zeros behind their bank account. Mm -hmm. If they want to buy a team and make it a winner, they can do it. They'll just buy their way to the top. Then there's mid-level rich. And that's guys like Dolan that own the Guardians. He has an asset that's worth a ton of money. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem. It's tied up in the team. It's it's not solvent. He is not not solvently rich. I mean, by our standards, he is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but he's not run a major league baseball team, Rich. He's deciding how much money he's going to spend and when he's going to spend it because he's probably going to have to dig into his own pocket because the $55 million he gets is trying to compete with the $240 million that the Dodgers' local contract is. So people might look at his net worth. Let me Google his net worth. Well, his net worth is whatever the Guardians are worth. That's not liquid. And I believe that with COVID, he ran into a situation where he perhaps was making payroll out of his wealth. And that's not the way they want to operate. If you don't want to answer this, you don't have to. But in your opinion, because you're the biggest baseball guy on this panel, do you think the Dolans should sell the team? Yes. I've been begging them to sell the team. And I think that that's in the works. I think with the Blitzer Group and their buy-in two years ago, there is there are clauses and escalators that gives the Blitzer Group an opportunity. Because I don't think the Blitzer Group 
wanted to be a minority owner. Mm-hmm. That's not his M.O. His M.O. is to own teams. He owns, fully owns other teams. He doesn't want to be, when you're a minority owner, you know what that means? You spend a lot of money, but you have no say. Dolan has 51%. He might as well have 100%. And at some point, it becomes welfare. So Blitzer smartly wrote into the deal that he can buy more of the club until he gets to the point where he is the majority owner. I wish we would just cut to the chase and do it now for the for the sake of the fans. Like Dolan, I don't know. I don't know what motivated him to buy the team. What in my conversation with him in the past, he was a small guy that played shortstop and had dreams of making the big leagues and didn't. And then, you know, through hard work and being a lawyer, his father and uncle or cousins or whatever it is, they had money. Now he owns the team. Okay. If you can't do right by your fan base and give them a product that has a legitimate chance to win, and you have to tell us this year's going to be a wash. You're saying the loud part out loud. When you say we're going to, or the quiet part, when you're saying, I'm going to see what the kids can do before we bring in guys that can stifle their growth. What you're saying out loud to the fan base is, check us out in 25. Say and I, I don't, I don't, you know. I got to think, go ahead. We deserve first, better before than that. I, before I say something, go yeah, ahead. I'm just frustrated. So bro. they tweeted I out this too. weekend. And Jay, you're our baseball guru. They tweeted out three pictures of guys. And the quote on the, the text on the tweet was big, strong men. Yeah. I'm going to show you these three. Let me know if you guys can recognize who these three players are. Let's take the first one, Steve. Do you know who this is? Oh, that's so far away from me, I can't even. Who is that? No. Is that the guy they got from Tampa in the trade for, uh, I think that could be. That's not Manzardo. Yeah, Manzardo. I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. No. I am 74% sure that this is Jonathan Rodriguez, their number 35 prospect. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure the fan for sure. base wouldn't know who these hold guys on, are. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I know who that is. That's Isaiah Mobley. <laughs> okay, I next up. Guns like that. They tweeted three, Jay, so you'd assume if they're going to tweet three, right. you should know these guys. Well, I think, though, in, in, in defense of them here, this is the whole idea of this exercise is you don't know these guys yet, you introduce, but you will introduce them. Yeah. Well, hey. let's see. Do you guys know number two here? This one's a little bigger. No. I know this one for a fact. This one is the only one I'm fully 100 percent confident. I seen videos of that dude hitting whole runs last year in the minor league. Didn't he get suspended for fighting or something like that? That is not George Valera. No, oh, that is. That's not him, did. I don't know nothing. <laughs> His name is a very interesting, unique name. That's the dude that we had. Like, we, that's Josh Bell without the braids. <laughs> he got that his is, hair and he came back. I hope I'm pronouncing this correct. Jahanski Noel. No clue who. Yeah, no, I think no. you missed the first name. It's no. J-H-O-N-K-E-N-S-Y. Yeah. I like his change, though. I Jahanski? Like yeah, I see his drip. I'm I not like sure his swag. I like his drip. I like it, though. I like and his swag. Last but not least, Hitty the hit. third. <laughs> The next of the Guardians' big, strong who men. Knows? Anthony, take it. Do you know who this is? Is that Valero? That is not Valero. A reject Prince Fielder Jr. I am 43% no confident this is Devison De Los Santos, the guy yeah. that picked up in the Rule 5 draft from the Arizona Diamondbacks. I thought that was... Um, Every reply to this tweet was, I, I, who the hell are these three? Yeah, I but thought- that's the exercise of it. What they're doing is they're showing us guys, like if they put Jose Ramirez on there, we all know who Jose Ramirez is. The idea is 
you know, we've got guys that we think are going to be exciting and we're going to find they out. They purposely it's marketed. It's part of the corporate vision. Yeah. We're, we, we don't want to bring in experienced yeah. veterans. Yeah. We want to see what our young guys that you don't know about yet can be. It kind of lines up with everything else, with the tweets, with the statements. This was their purposely, they purposely marketed this way. 1,000%. Hey, you know what? Yeah. We, we need to see what Yasiel Baerga is all about. <laughs> Look, I get it. The worst part about the that fan exercise, base deserves better. Yes. The worst I, part about that exercise was I was convinced one of them was Ramon Laureano. And it was not. None of them, to my knowledge, are yeah. Ramon Laureano. And look, that's fine. I get it. Teams have prospects. You could do that with all 30 teams. You could bring up you could show their three hottest prospects in the minor leagues, and their fan bases would be like, who the hell is this guy? I don't know this guy. We don't watch minor league games. We don't know what their faces, but we know the names and the stats. I'm keep, That's it. I'm gonna keep it real. I'm gonna keep it real, Jay. I was gonna say this before McNugget started, and you know what? I used to have a. I used to have that burning thing, and the reason I asked you the question I asked you about finances is is this, like sometimes, like just put it in perspective. I worked. I worked as, as hard as I ever worked in my life this year. I own, own like two or three businesses. I worked so hard. It's the most money I ever made in my life. But at the end of the day, you said something that resonates. Just because you feel like you're doing well, there's levels to it. And every level of wellness you do is another level of wellness you got to pay. That's and, that's true. And when you start to start, you like, oh, this is great. You and what I learned, I had the biggest awakening when I did taxes. I had to do them three or four times. <laughs> I was like, hold on, what do you mean? Like, and when you're looking at the Dolans, there's a certain thing when you are paying payroll out of your pocket. Like they, they some people operate businesses as a small business, and it is a small business compared to other businesses that just happen to be in major league baseball. You got Home Depot and you got Harry's Hardware. Harry's Hardware. And Harry's Hardware isn't going to be able to go into his pocket and pay his entire payroll for six months. It's going to put him under. Home Depot knows where the capital sits. They they, they have access to hedge funds and big loans. And And, and I'm sure that's what Dolan did. Dolan probably had to take Loans, them, them, them COVID loans. Yes, to to make his payroll. So I can't. I, what I say is, Cleveland deserves an owner that is flush with cash, who can pay what Cincinnati is paying, what Detroit is paying. We're not asking for uh, Dodgers and Yankees. We're asking for other cities like Cleveland, Milwaukee, yeah. Cincinnati, Detroit, Kansas City. Let's come up to that level. And instead, we're not getting that. I believe when the Blitzer Group takes over full time, I believe that you'll see this op- this team operate like a real major league franchise. You heard it from Jay. It Brighter is. days are on the way. Gee, I want to get a one more reading because I got to set you up with something here special. You but you can get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel America's number one sports book right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your team wins. You can bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and so much more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash UCSS and shoot your shot. FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Got three Super Chats real quick, and then, G, a topic that we need you here for. Matthew Dinkins, though, first Super Chat says, 
uh, in relation to how to fix the All-Star game. No play-in game, 7th and 8th seed of the losing conference is banned from the playoffs and replaced by the ninth and 10th seed of the Ooh. winning conference. Wow. That'd be spicy. Uh, he also says losing players, uh, players from the Damn. losing conference on live TV have to give the Instagram handles of all their side chicks in every NBA city to their wives and girlfriends. That would be objectively hysterical, Matthew. That certainly would increase the uh, intensity. And Evan419 said, Bell and Zanino took Will Benson and Nolan Jones's 40-man spots. Do you want the young guys to have a chance to show off? Or do you want free agents? You can't have it both ways. Here's the problem. No, you can't. But you can't also have a 4A organization. Yes. And that's what the Guardians are. They're not a major league organization. They have to operate on on the... They're a feeder system for the major leagues. They're going to get relegated. (laughs) And that's not good for the fan base. Yeah, I want to see what the young kids can do. But every other franchise has young kids too. They see what they do in the minors. When they're ready, done cooking, they bring them up. Speaking of young kids, G, Amani Bates was a bright spot in the All-Star weekend. He led both his teams in their Rising Star games in scoring. They lost in the finals. Amani continues after our interview to uh, prove people wrong. G, at this point, has he earned a shot on the NBA level? Has he you, earned the right to get some minutes here down the stretch? Uh, you know, that's all that, that that's that's all all up to, you know what I'm saying? What because that's a, one of the one of the questions I asked him. I said, what are they telling you um, that they want to get some some minutes? What did he say to that? He said, they just want me to continue to work on defense. Um, Defense, defense, defense. They know I can score. They know I can shoot. It's about, you know what I'm saying, getting in that rotation. It's about playing defense. Now, here's the thing about basketball. You know, we just had two guys go down. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it ain't really about, like, oh, did you deserve minutes? There's a lot of people that deserve minutes. It's about the opportunity. Yeah. Right. So when you get that opportunity, you got to go in and do your thing. But like I said before, I told him he was going to get buckets. I said it, you know, when I saw him in the, in the rising uh, challenges. So to me, I'll say this and this may seem crazy. A lot of people say uh, Evan Mobley is the is the key, but there's two ways you can skin and cat. If, if you can come in next year and Imani base and took another leap, you know he can score. You can put some weight on him and play defense. Now, look what you got. You got now, instead of Max Struess, you got a guy that's 6'9", that can knock down <clears> shots, <throat> and now you can move Max Struess to the bench, and you don't need Evan Mobley to be getting 25 points a game. So it's more than one way to see the cat. I think he's a big part of the big piece, and I think they're going to go with that youth movement, seeing that Craig Porter Jr. just got that four-year deal, and I think um, Sam Merrill is going to get a deal. I think the Cavs' future is very bright. So to wrap this up, because I know we got to get to the Black History moment, to answer you directly, yes, I do think he's done enough to earn an opportunity to play some real minutes, but I don't think that's going to happen now. I think that J.B. Bickerstaff already is having an issue trying to play what's become a very deep, you know, 10 to 11-man rotation. Sure. But uh, I believe with him on a two-way contract, the Cavs can have him active for about 50 games. So if the Cleveland Cavaliers, once we get, you know, the end of March, early April, and the Cavaliers have locked up wherever they're going to be seated at in the playoffs, I think for the rest of that season, once you know exactly where you are and you can't move up or down, let Imani come in, man, and get as much run as he possibly can. Because to G's point, you know, in the next year, maybe two years, you hope that he is starting to realize his potential. And now that's that, that, that three uh, you know, that that's a pure score. That's a shooter. That's that athlete that you want. So I think Imani's problem is he's just with the wrong team. Um, 
when when I saw this question from you, Mike, originally, I asked this. I said, what does he offer that no one else can bring? And that's where I had a problem with finding sizable minutes for Amani. Um, he is, Mike, please help me if I'm out of bounds on this. He's a shooter. He's a guy that can score, but there are so many other boxes that he currently doesn't check. And if you're going to, and that makes him a niche player. That's accurate right now. Right now. Can change right now. Right now. Yeah, it's accurate. Now he's got to get bigger. I worry for his bones. He's so damn slight. I mean, this is a grown man's league. We said that about Evan Mobley, and Evan Mobley has put some weight on A little bit. Yeah. I still want him to get bigger, but I think that he's a nice project. I love the fact that the organization has been very clear with him. You need to play defense. You need to go down to the G League, and you need to learn how to play defense. And if he can come back and have some semblance of a defensive game, because I haven't seen it yet, if he can develop that, now you can say, okay, this is a guy that can d- deserve some rotational minutes, mm-hmm. and let's see what happens. Yep. But I think, I think his growth is probably being stunted by the fact that, and you said this, Earl, there are a lot of guys in this, on this team that deserve minutes probably more than he does. Yeah, but you know what, though? Tyvis said something last week, and I kind of agree. You know, I think that – I think he's on the right team. I think he's in the you right do. situation. Okay. I think he's on the right organization. But this is a marathon. This isn't a sprint. I like that and, approach. And the yeah. fact that it is that, I think that if he can just continue to just be still, continue to work hard, as he said, make the main thing, the main thing, stay patient, keep grinding, then you can reach your potential right, right here with the Cleveland Cavaliers. All right, give us your black history moment. Uh, I wish we had more time because of who it was. This is a bad job out of us. We're rushing it because of who I this know. is. But today, the 19th of February in 1947, uh, Jackie Robinson broke the baseball's color barrier for the Brooklyn Dodgers. He won a National League Rookie of the Year award to help the Dodgers to the National League Championship, to the National League Championship, the first of his six trips to the World Series. In 1949, Robinson won a League MVP award, was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1962. And of course, every year on April 15th, baseball players around the entire league were number 42 in his honor. The numbers otherwise, of course, retired throughout the league. So today, we honor Jackie Robinson. You a baseball dude uh, today? You know, perfect day. Like, shout out to Jackie Robinson. Man. One of my yes, favorite sir. sports movies is Forty Two. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Um, it's unbelievable. It really does a great job of telling his story and the obstacles that he had to overcome. Just a, just a tremendous. Steve is having human technical difficulties galore back here. Hey, welcome athlete. back, Steve. Welcome back, Steve. Welcome back, back, Steve. Ants get loose in the bullpen. We'll see y'all in overtime. 